to God's Word this morning. We're going to go to Mark chapter number 10. Um, if I was to entitle this message, and I usually don't throw titles on it, but Yannick asked me this morning about a title, and uh, he's a typical sound guy. We were talking about this morning with Brother Adam, but no, uh, Yannick's good. So if I was a title, I'd say, what would you ask for uh, this morning? What would you ask for? Um, we're going to look at the idea of what we can ask for, or uh, also what are the motives for asking for certain things. Um, and we're just going to use scripture. We're just going to use a few examples from the Bible. We're not going to be long. Uh, I, did, uh, I did mention to Jan to pull the clock down, put a calendar up, and so it won't be too long. And, uh, but no, we should be quick. Um, uh, but I just want to come pass that question off to you. Uh, what would you ask God for? <clears throat> and so in doing so, we're going to go to Mark chapter number 10, and we're going to start in verse number 35. You know, you usually try to think of examples of how you can apply uh, to your sermon, and a lot of times you're trying to find things that are either really profound, that make people think, right? Like, oh, like you start mentioning history and stuff, and it really grasps people's yeah. attentions. Um, or you think of a funny story, because then everybody's all happy and it grabs that attention. I really don't have either one, but I do have a real life uh, story. I'm not going to mention the child that I have, but I'm not going to mention their name, so I'm going to keep it. Uh, it kind of reduces it to two, unfortunately, but um, I'm not making fun of them in any way. Uh, maybe you've been through this uh, around before if you've had teenagers with cell phones. Um, so I had one of them uh, come up to me and say, hey, Dad, I need, a, I need a new cell phone. And so our rule is, is that our kids get a cell phone as soon as they're actually going out of the house, like they have to work or whatever it may be. I don't know how I got into that mind, uh, mindset or that thought because I didn't have one when I was growing up. And so we had to use pay phones. And there were even times when you didn't have money in your pockets. You went to a pay phone and you used the collect call, 1-800-COLLECT. And then you would say, you know, who's it from? It's like, Dad, I'm at the bowling alley. And click. Or, you know, or Dad, I'm at the bowling alley. Do you accept? And he, would, he already knew the, the number, so he called the pain pole back at the bowling alley, and I would get a free call. Um, uh, or, you know, whenever he'd be out. So those of you who are uh, before cell phones and use pay phones, we would do something like that. But my son, he, uh, or my son, I just give it away. <laughs> oh, I love my boy. He's good. So, but it's just... Uh, <laughs> And it's even on social media right now. I can't even get rid of it. So he's helping out right now in the children's church, and so he's not in here. But um, he was asking me, Dad, I, I need a new cell phone. I said, really? I go, well, what's wrong with the one that you have? He goes, well, you know, it's just not working. I said, well, when did it stop working? Because I, I've been calling you and texting you. You've been calling me and texting me, so the phone is okay. And he says, well, Dad, sometimes it doesn't work. I go, well, does it work does it not work when you need to call somebody? Well, not really. I'm waiting for calls or texts or whatever. He's trying to prove his point. You know, he's a teenager. He's, he's driving his, uh, uh, his, his premise. He's driving it all the way through, trying to see if he can uh, work over dad uh, to try to side with him. And, you know, he's been, uh, been kind of like entering and uh, learning about law with Brother uh, Ernest, so I don't know if this is one of the reasons. <laughs> but, no, he's like, well, dad, I need one. And I said, well... I go, so, but I can get a hold of you, you can get a hold of me, right? He's like, well, yeah. I said, I can text you, you can text me your mom, right? Yeah. The phone's not broken, son. Well, Dad, the internet on this phone, and <laughs> so he likes to look at, you know, baseball stats and uh, things for baseball on YouTube and stuff like that, trying to help with his game and so on. Uh, but we kind of think about things, well, what, you know, why are we asking for certain things? You know, why, why, I said, well, son, why are you asking me for it? Then just kind of get to the point, you know, what is your motive? Well, the motive is, is he wants a phone that works like, you know, on the whole new 5G network, whatever you want, you know, fastest speed to get things going because it's too slow on whatever it is that his, his phone has. And, uh, but, you know, we begin to ask certain questions. Why are we asking for certain things? You know, what is the point? You know, um, 
is it really worth asking for? Is it really something that you need? Um, or is it something that you kind of want, that you just kind of, you know, might maybe make life a little easier? Whatever it may be. But I'm going to go ahead and go through just a few examples uh, in Scripture uh, just to see uh, what were some of the things that uh, people um, asked for. And so uh, some familiar people we're going to talk about. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter number 10 and starting over in verse number 35. Now, the same story is an account also in Matthew where we see um, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and they're going to ask a question. Actually, they're not asking you for a question. They're actually saying, Lord, we need you to do something. And so it says in verse 35, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. If you notice, there's not a question mark. tonight. Lord, can you do something for us? It was actually, Lord, we want you to do something. Um, and then the Lord responds in verse 36. He says, Jesus asks the question, what would, ye, what would ye that I should do for you? So what do you want me to do for you? And in verse 37, they, uh, they said to him, Grant unto us that we may sit on thy right hand and on the other, thy left hand, in thy glory. We'll stop there. So we see the similar account in the book of Matthew where actually um, uh, James and John's mother is there um, and actually asking the question with them. Um, but ascent, or they're actually, um, I don't want to say demanding, but they're wanting something. And uh, what they're desiring is they want to be on the left hand and the right hand of the Lord. And so what I want you guys to kind of think about is if, the, if you were with the Lord, you know, and if uh, there was something that you wanted to ask of him or want from him, what would that be? So if you had this one time where you can actually talk to him and ask for that, and if it was just that one question or that one thing that you wanted or needed, what would that be? And so I thought about just asking, you know, random people if they knew, already knew and they raise their hand, someone might say, you know, I, I want to be debt-free, right? Um, and sometimes I wonder, I've talked to uh, customers that come into uh, uh, my place of business and they'll say, they'll mention things about, you know, Dave Ramsey and so on. We just kind of get on a, a talk and they'll say, I want to be debt-free. I go, well, why do you want to be debt-free? Well, so I don't have to pay any money out to my bank, you know, the bank, for the mortgage and the car and everything. And I said, well, once you're debt-free, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to go do this. And I'm like, let's rack up that credit card bill, right? So the motive is that you want to be debt-free so you can spend more money, uh, and so, which, is, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but, you know, is it, is it things like that? Or are there certain serious things? Is it like maybe, uh, Lord, I want my health to be good. Um, and I started thinking about that on, you know, Lord, I want, to, I want to have good health all my days. Again, these things are not bad to ask for, but what is the motive for? Um, and we're going to see just a few, uh, few people in the Bible about if we were around the Lord, what is that one thing that we probably ask for or even say, Lord, we want you to do this for me. And so I want you to kind of take that thought. And again, we're taking the idea of what um, James and John had said, and we're going to move over to 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3. And the first person we're going to talk about is Solomon. And so many of us may already know the story about Solomon, where he was actually visited by God in a dream. And God starts off by saying, ask what you want, basically. Ask for what you want. So as you guys are turning over to chapter number 3 in 1 Kings, uh, Solomon was just made king in chapter number 2. David, um, as you see him uh, actually transitioning his uh, authority or his, uh, his throne over to Solomon, and Solomon is the king. And then we come over to chapter number 3, and we're going to start in verse number 3. Okay, so just before this as well, you know, uh, Solomon does receive the burden where he wants to build a house for the Lord. 
Uh, but in verse number three, I want you to see something because this actually sets up the stage to what, um, how, I should say, uh, Solomon asks, and I want to say the right, or I shouldn't say the right question. God asked the question, but he asked for the right thing. Okay? So in verse number three, it says, Solomon loved the Lord. You know, when, um, it wasn't probably until about maybe a couple years ago when I started thinking, I go, you know, God, why did you even give Solomon that question? Why would you even give him something like that? Why, how, how is that any different than even David? He didn't come to David and say, David, what do you want? He didn't go to Saul, hey, Saul, what do you want? They're all kings, but what was the difference? You know, uh, why, why is it, God, that you did these things? Now, I'm not putting down David, because we know David um, had a, uh, um, he was after God's own heart, is what the scriptures say. But obviously, we don't see the case of where Saul says, I love the Lord. Uh, but we can see in verse 3, it says, Solomon loved the, uh, the Lord. And it says here, walking in the statutes of his David, his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. So this shows the uh, activity that uh, Solomon has toward God. He loves the Lord. He's willing to sacrifice unto the Lord. He wants to have that relationship with the Lord as he saw in his father David. And it says in verse number four, it says, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. And then it says in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, ask what I shall give thee. And then Solomon says, and this is so interesting, where uh, basically we see uh, the power of God. We also see the recognition um, that Solomon sees in God. He says here, Thou hast showed unto thy servant my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne. You can hear the appreciation in Solomon's voice, as you read it, you can see how he's like, Lord, thank you. It's like, thank you what you've done for me. Because remember, Solomon's not the only son of David. There's Adonijah who's already plotting to try to kill him, and there's other sons that David has. But then you have Solomon who's saying, you know what, Lord, I recognize this position that you've given me. And, and essentially, he's just uh, given a, um, uh, words of gratitude toward the Lord. It says in verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant... King instead of David, my father. Again, because David, he is, uh, he's passed. He says, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Very interestingly, he humbles himself. So he sees the great position. He shows the gratitude of God. He said, it's, uh, even in Scripture, it says Solomon loved God, and it showed through action as well. And then God has given this, uh, this uh, request of uh, Solomon saying, hey, what is it that you want? And he says, oh, God, he goes, I know nothing, essentially. I'm... I'm a nobody. So he just humbles himself right before God and says, I'm a nobody. Right now you have somebody who's saying, I'm a nobody as king. And then it goes on over here to verse number 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge thy, uh, this thy so great a people. So automatically, he shows humility, saying, Lord, I don't know anything. I'm in a position that is of great importance. And Lord, I just want you to give me wisdom so I can go ahead and guide your people, and I can do right by you. So his motive wasn't even for himself. His motive was like, Lord, I'm in a position that I, uh, only you can guide. 
And it says in verse 10, And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Now, we'll stop right there. So as us, if we're young, now this could be young in mind, but young in age as well. If, we were in, if we're sitting on a throne, what is something that we would want to ask for? We are now king. We have land. We do have some riches. Um, we might have some type of fame uh, in that position. But for us, what is it that we would ask for you know, in that position? If we go throughout history, and I'm not a history buff, but I do know through a lot of history, when you see kings of some sort, you see that they're trying to expand the empire as far as they can go. All right, the, the latest uh, right now that uh, if you go into uh, the time of Jesus, we see the, the empire of Rome just expanding a great, great empire. And they're trying to expand it further and further and further and further. And so we, uh, we can even see other nations trying to grab more land, grab more assets of some sort. So it's something for us. What would we ask for in a position like that? A lot of times when you see kings, when they get up in that position, they're like, I already know everything I need to know, and this is what I want, right? We, they're like, I, uh, since I'm in the position of authority, it's whatever I say goes. I'm the wise one, or whatever it may be. Um, I look at places like you have like a dictatorship like over in North Korea. It's whatever he says goes, right? And so we can see in Solomon's case, and, we can, and if you go back over um, to Solomon when he was a, uh, uh, before he was made king, uh, Samuel warned the nation of Israel, hey, be careful you don't want a king because you know what? When that happens, he can take whatever he wants. I'm just paraphrasing. He can take whatever he wants, whatever he says goes. But then we see that the way that Solomon, the way he used his heart, the way he, he asked, or he, the one thing he asked for was wisdom, which actually pleased God. And I want you to see something here. It's very interesting because if you go over to verse number 13, um, well, afterwards, in the next few verses, it talks about, you know, Solomon, you didn't ask for a long life. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for the life of your enemies. Um, and he says, because of those things, if we go to verse number 13, he says, And I have also given thee which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall uh, not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. It pleased the Lord so much that uh, God says, you know what? I already know what man wants. He goes, but because you didn't ask for those things, you asked for what was right, and it pleased me, I'm giving you the also. He says, because you asked for the right thing, because your heart was right, because your heart was pure, because you understood your position, you humbled yourself before me, I'm giving you the also as well. Something that he didn't even ask for. But yet because his heart was right, and because he was willing to uh, uh, humble himself before God and put... God and others before himself, God granted him even the things that would satisfy somebody who was even selfish in so many words. So he got the also on top of asking what was right because the motive was pure. You know, sometimes we wonder, like, wait a second, well, I kind of do some of these things, or am I asking for the right thing? If we go ahead and we're going to turn over to, we're going to go back and forth to the New Testament and Old Testament, we're going to go to James chapter number four, and I want you to see something. Because if we're going to get ready to ask for certain things, okay, what is, what is the right order? What are we supposed to do? Because in James chapter 4, and we'll be in verse number 3, James here is saying, Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss. Okay, amiss, when you look at that word, it can be like wrongful, or it can actually be um, in wrong order. Meaning that, uh, you have people saying, well, the end justifies the means and so on and stuff like that. So the thing is, this is when, when James is saying, when we get ready to ask for something, we've got to make sure we have our priorities straight because we can ask the wrong way. And maybe that's why we're not getting um, our desires or maybe we're not getting certain things that we're praying for. And so in this chapter, we can see that there was a lot of, um, 
uh, worldly, uh, the worldly mindset, because he continues to go far. He says in verse 4, you adulterers, adulteresses, and so on. He says, how do you know the friendship of the world? And so he's, he was cautioning Christians, hey, make sure whatever you're asking for, whatever you're praying for, make sure that our thoughts are right. Make sure our heart is right before we try to ask for certain things because we can ask in a worldly sense. I use that example. I want to be debt-free. Okay, but what's the purpose of being debt-free? Well, because, number one, well, the Lord doesn't want us to be slave to the lender. And I want to make sure I'm doing what's right. I have a debt that I have to pay. I want to make sure I fulfill that debt so that I can actually honor my God. Because my God does not want me to be under um, the pressure of the world or under another master other than himself. And so, what is the reason for some of the things that we ask for? When we ask for health, which is a great thing. Are we asking for health because, you know, I just want to be healthy so I can do all these things? Or can it be, Lord, I just want to be healthy because I want to be able to praise your name longer. Or I want to go ahead and live longer so that I can be an example to other people so I can use my life. But have you already been doing that beforehand? We see in uh, Solomon's case, he loved the Lord and he walked in the statutes of his father. He was offering uh, uh, offerings to God before he was even the king. And so are we asking in the right order? And so we can ask for things and our heart not even be right. Our heart can even be wrong. So just want to kind of just put that thought in your mind. So we're going to go to the left. So the first uh, one that we saw was in King Solomon and how he asked. And now we're going to go over to Job chapter number 42. Job chapter 42. Now, not going through the whole story of Job. Obviously, we have many chapters inside there and uh, what has taken place um, in the state that Job is in right now. Uh, remember, he's lost everything. It's just uh, him and his wife. His health is bad. He has boils from head to toe. Um, and uh, there's been, uh, I forgot how long now that uh, his friends have been questioning him, trying to find out what sin is in his life, uh, to find out, hey, you need to find this sin and give it up and everything and ask God to forgive you so that you can get rid of all this stuff uh, that's in your life. There's got to be sin. And I keep on poking and prodding, and obviously Job, he doesn't have any sin that he can think of. And then uh, we learn that Job begins to think, you know, why is this happening to you? He begins to question God. And then in the last, I think it was like 30, well, it would be about four, no, I'm sorry, about five or six chapters, if I remember correctly. It's God running through uh, the list of things about his omniscience, his omnipotence. So it's all uh, him being all powerful and him all knowing um, all things. And in uh, chapter 42, Job responds um, in humility uh, in verse number um, Two, says, I know that thou canst do everything, that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understood not. So even through everything that he suffered, he's like, oh, light bulb went off after the Lord was talking to him. He's like, you know what, Lord, you're the one that's in control. Because I don't have to worry about any of those things. Remember in chapter number two, he says, the Lord giveth, he can take away. And he keeps on going forward. And um, verse number, we're going to go over to verse number seven. So we're going to get ready to get to the point of what is being asked. Okay. So in verse seven it says, And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. And the interesting thing is, is the Lord gives the reason why, which is good. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. They never acknowledge God. They never, uh, they never uh, tried to uplift Job in any single way. 
on trying to help them to go ahead and say, you know what, let's go ahead and go before God. They never mention his name. They come and say, oh, you got this and this and this and this and this wrong. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. They're poking and prodding. And it says in verse number 8, Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So it says here, So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the uh, Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. I'm going to stop right there just for a moment. So we see right now that God is getting ready to judge the three friends um, of Job. And um, God is telling him, this is the reason why I'm upset with you. This is the reason why you're going to receive certain consequences. Because you never acknowledge me one time as Job has. Job, uh, Job uh, began to realize that, you know, God is all good. And then he was willing to go and humble himself and says, Lord, you are right. But yet the friends never had that mindset. And so God is upset with these men. And, he's, and then God tells the men, go talk to Job. And he's going to make an offering for you because I'm not going to listen to you guys. So now we're getting ready for Job to ask. You guys realize that Job had an option? He could have said, okay, yeah, I'll do it for you guys. Or, no. <laughs> I mean, you think about that? Job, take the stuff to sacrifice on our behalf. Please, Job, it's our lives depend on it. I'm just kind of reading between the lines. And then, uh, Lord, please do these things. Lord, please, uh, or please, Job, help us. You know, please uh, pray on our behalf. We want to be saved. We want to, be, uh, we, we want to live. Okay, we don't know what's going to happen to these men. God doesn't explain exactly. But I can just imagine, because they have no idea what God's going to do if, they, if Job doesn't pray for them. But interestingly enough, the Lord already knew Job's heart before the men had to go because he says, Job will pray for you. Because God already knew Job's heart. But I kind of think about these men as they come forward and they're going ahead and they're pleading before Job and saying, Lord, you know, Job, please go ahead and do this for us. And I want you, to add, I want you guys to think about the condition that's in. Where is Job at? What, what is his condition? Has it changed since he humbled himself before God? It hasn't changed. He didn't receive his, his kids back. He didn't receive his servants. He didn't receive his cattle that was stolen. He didn't have health yet. He still has boils from head to toe. And the friends are coming along, please, Job, pray for us. <laughs> and then you start thinking, wait a second. You know, for me, I'm like, you seen me. You know I'm going to ask for you and not ask for me. I would go, I don't, I'm looking at right here. You guys still have your, health, your houses? You guys have your wealth? You guys have your servants? You guys have your health? You guys have everything, and you're coming to me. Of course, I wouldn't be Job. I would be Job, okay? Because <laughs> I'd be different. I, I think I would have been really selfish at that point. Like, you know what? You guys didn't help me at all. You guys, uh, you know, I, I, I can't stand you right now. You know, maybe come back in a couple of weeks when I can actually get some type of relief from these boils, right? But just looking at the condition of Job and his state and his friends actually asking him for help. Because obviously their motive is they don't want to be in trouble with God. But then we see Job, his motive is because he loves the Lord. He understood what God said in these previous chapters. So in 42, it says right there in verses 2 and 3, he goes, Now I know, because I, I didn't understand before, Lord. Now I understand. 
So we see that Job's heart now is right. He's like, you know what, Lord, you're, you're, you're good. Everything's fine. So his heart is right with the Lord, and we see in verse number 10, and it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed. Job didn't know when he was going to receive healing. But the moment he started praying for his friends, God's like, you know what? I'm going to give you some also right now. I'm going to heal you. And you're, I wonder if it was instant. He's praying for his friends, Lord, take, take this trespass away, Lord. I forgive them. Please, Lord, just um, uh, you know, remove uh, uh, this transgression from them. Lord, don't hold it to their account. And I wonder if he opened his eyes and then it's like, well, I'm not itchy or you know, burning anymore. I don't have to use that potsherd anymore to give myself some relief. I wonder if that's what happened. But God gave the also, you know, Job didn't ask for his health. And then later in these verses it says that Job basically doubled. God doubled everything in Job's possession, everything that he received, everything that he had. He even had more sons and daughters. But God gave the also, but it all was because he didn't, one, he didn't ask amiss. His heart was already right before any asking even took place. Even a hint of saying, hey, what do you want? Not even there. All, all, all that we saw within Job's life, and we can also go ahead and see in Solomon was, Lord, I love you, and what is it that you want? And so there's Job. And then what I want to, I want to go ahead and do this is we're going to go over to Romans chapter number 17. I'm sorry, Romans. Uh, uh, John chapter 17. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, Romans 17. John 17. Something, somebody different. John chapter 17, and verse number 1. So I only have two more. John chapter 17, verse number 1. We're going to talk about Jesus. Verse number one, it says this, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. The hour has come. Glorify thy Son. What's the reason? We already know who Jesus is. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God's Son. And he's saying, Father, glorify thy son. Why? So that you can be glorified. Which is interesting because when I read this, you may take it differently, but when I look at this, Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, he's on his knees and he's praying and he says, Father, the time's come. Now again, this is before, before the crucifixion. This is before the betrayal. Jesus, he already knows what's going to happen. He knows the steps. He knows the time. He knows exactly what things are going to happen in his life. He knows he's going to be crucified. And Jesus says, Lord, the time has come. He says, glorify thy son so that you can be glorified. So the whole purpose of Jesus asking was so that ultimately the father is glorified. So what is Jesus' motive? What does Jesus want? What is Jesus asking for? Jesus isn't asking for, um, he's not asking to be delivered from what he's, what's about to happen. He's not asking God, let's do, a different, let's do a different thing. God, Father, um, let's delay this 
a little bit longer because you know what? I know what's going to happen. It's going to be pretty painful. I, you know, I kind of like it the way it is right now. You know, I haven't announced who's, who's going to betray me. Um, I haven't announced any of these things. Um, you know, we can hold off for a little bit. We can delay. Lord, because it's going to be painful. Um, Lord, it, I know it's, it, it, uh, I, just, I, can't, I don't know if I can handle the pressure of sin on me and I, that I can bear all of uh, sin of all mankind right now. Lord, I don't know if I can bear uh, right now having to have you turn your, uh, to go ahead and allow the world to turn black where you're going to turn your back on me that I'm going to be, uh, at the very first time ever in all eternity, I'm going to be separated for you for a time. Lord, Father, let's go ahead and delay that a little bit. But no, God, or Jesus says this, it's time. I'm ready. So go ahead and, uh, Father, glorify the Son. Meaning he, what he's about to go through so that you would be glorified. So Jesus' motive was he wanted to see the Father to be glorified. But interestingly also, because obviously I've mentioned the also in the previous uh, uh, examples. As you read through verses chapter, uh, in that same chapter, verses 6 through uh, number 19, he starts to pray for his disciples. He says, Father, don't forget about them. Remember them. He begins to pray for others. Jesus, in no way does he actually pray for himself to receive some type of alternative um, or anything like that. He prays for his disciples in the, in the next few verses. And then after that, in the, second, uh, the, the last half of that chapter, starting in verse number 20, he starts praying for the future believers, those who are, are going to uh, eventually come to the knowledge of salvation. So Jesus, he wasn't just focusing on himself, but he says, God, may you be glorified. And Lord, the also is, remember those who will call upon my name. Remember those who are going to be seeking salvation. And then lastly, let's go over to Romans. You're going to go to your right. Romans chapter number 10. And this will be my last point or my last example. So right now we saw the motives of each of these uh, examples. We see where their hearts were. You know, maybe there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know Christ. Maybe there's somebody who doesn't understand the love of God. It says here there's another ask that can be made. In Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, the Bible says this, For whosoever shall call. So anybody's name, that whosoever is anybody, shall call to ask. What's the motive of asking? Upon the name of the Lord so that they can be saved. So any person that is a non-believer, even uh, as us as believers, when we went ahead and finally say, you know what, I, I need Christ, I need to be saved, or I want to go to heaven, whatever it was, we understood right away, it's like, you know what, what is my motive? I want to be, with, I want to be saved from uh, my sin, I want to be saved uh, from hell, I want to go to heaven. And so that is the ask. And then the also, God can go ahead and start pouring blessings upon your life. Now, you may not get double portions like Job did. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to put, I'm gonna put a little disclaimer. Okay, I don't know what God's going to give the way we ask if we have the right motives. I don't know what the Lord's going to give. I don't know, uh, uh, you know, what God's plans are for everybody's life. But if I told you, like, I say, hey, Brother Adam, if you start serving God, you're going to get $5 million. You know what Adam's going to do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to live for God. How long is it going to be? Two years, just two years. I can do that. But you notice that nobody in Scripture knew what was going to happen <laughs> until after they, uh, they asked what was right. 
So the thing is, is that somebody who is lost, the right question to ask would be, Lord, I need you. I need salvation. I want to go to heaven. The also becomes blessings. The also becomes, um, the, the, I, I've taught our teens this a couple years ago. It's like, you know what? We, we got saved. Like when I got saved, I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. But then I didn't realize I get a crown so I could cast at Jesus' feet. I didn't realize I get a mansion. Okay? Mine's going to be bigger than some of yours. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I didn't know some of these things that I was going to get. You know, it wasn't that I read all these things like, whoa, I can get all this stuff. I get eternal life. I can live forever. I don't have to worry about sorrow. I don't have to worry about pain. I don't have to worry about tears. I don't worry about any of these things. It's never dark. The sun is all, uh, the, the, the Christ is the light, and we can, we'll all be uh, with each other in all eternity and no more sin. It's like, whoa, no, I want to go ahead and do that. No, the thing was, it's like, I don't want to go to hell. You know, I want to go to heaven. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to die and be with the, uh, with the, uh, the fallen angels, the demons, and uh, burn. You know, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. God, I, I want to be with you. And then finally, after I got saved, I learned the also's afterwards. And so how about this morning? What, are some of the things, what is something that we would ask for? And when we ask it, are we having the right motive before we ask? You know, it kinda, it's kind of like set up, like, Lord, I love you. I'm going through the checklist, but I want to make sure I don't mess this up, right? <laughs> but no, but God knows our hearts already. And so I'd encourage you with this. When we get ready to ask of God for anything, what is our motive, and are, are our hearts right with the Lord before we even ask?